Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. numbers i'm your host ryan blackburn at nba blackburn on twitter it is tuesday afternoon as i get this to you just a little bit later than i was hoping to wanted to get a little bit more research in was caught up with some other things for the site last night wanted to get into some of the stats that diehard nuggets fans need to know 12 stats you need to know as a diehard Nuggets fan. These are the numbers that I think are the most important 12 games into the season. It's been an interesting year. It's been an interesting start to the season. Not what I really expected. I expected this offense to be clicking. I expected the ball to be popping a little bit more to <clears throat> to take a, a word from former site manager Adam Maris on that one. The ball has not been popping. The ball has not been moving around that well, but it is lately. It is there. There are certainly signs. Juancho Hernan Gomez was inserted into the rotation on Sunday, uh, at least in kind of a more permanent basis. And I thought that was interesting that Gary Harris was the person that he replaced. So we're going to get into it all. Going to get get this broken down into three segments, four stats during each segment. Going to spend some time discussing each of them. And let's get right into it. The first stat that Nuggets fans need to know concerns Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap has been freaking dope. He is surprising everybody, I think, with the way that he's playing. Nikola Jokic had a great quote after the Brooklyn Nets game saying that he was playing like he's 21, not 77. Of course, that kind of pertains to how Millsap is the, the general senior citizen on this Nuggets team. And it's true. There isn't a Nuggets player that's even close to him in terms of age. And he's been around the block. He's been playing in this league for as long as he has. Usually when you get to this point in your career, you slow down. You start to take a reduced role. You start to change your game. Uh, Millsap is changing his game, but it hasn't slowed him down in any way, shape, or form. Because right now he is the leader in raw plus minus on the Denver Nuggets at plus 95. That's really impressive. It, it was kind of a going trend last year that he was one of the best players in plus minus last season because he played well with Nikola Jokic. The other power forwards didn't play as well. Mason Plumley didn't play as frequently. Paul Millsap is legit. He's one of the best players in the league thus far this season. Right now he's shooting four three throws per game shooting 88% on those. He's actually shot a little bit worse from the free throw line than he did to start the year, but 88% is unbelievable. Can't really argue with anything that he has done so far. He He's averaging the most free throw attempts on the Nuggets so far. 
you would think that Denver stars, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, maybe even Will Barton driving off the driving off to dribble into the paint, those guys would be the guys who are dominating the free throw line. But it's been Paul Millsap so far, and the Nuggets have needed it. Their offense has not been as great as it needs to be. So getting to the free throw line as frequently as possible is the best way to combat that. Right now, Millsap is basically shooting 50% from the field, 50% from three, and 90% from the free throw line, which is really all you need to know about how well Millsap is playing, how well he is shooting. The Nuggets' defense is great while he's out there. He is always in the right place, always making the, the right play, stripping the ball from guys who are driving into the rim. Uh, just been all around wonderful to see. The Nuggets would really miss Paul Millsap if he wasn't on this team. Uh, they knew that they had to have him this year. That's the reason why they accepted his team option. They couldn't come to terms on a long-term deal. But Millsap is genuinely proving that he deserves Nuggets fans' respect. The second stat, the Nuggets' turnover problems have basically been solved to start the year. When you look at the the various factors that are affecting this Nuggets offense, you can't really point to turnover percentage as one of them because the Nuggets are second in turnover rate at 11.7%. That is a really big deal because the Nuggets offense, other than that, has not been good. They've not been able to score efficiently from the field. They are down in terms of their overall number of offensive rebounds that they've grabbed. Uh, down in terms of getting to the free throw line, but turnover rate is something that they can really control. Uh, they're not playing super aggressively, but that means that they can play play a little bit conservatively. Jamal Murray has been great in that regard. Nikola Jokic has been great in that regard. Monte Morris has somehow lowered his turnover rate uh, at the start because that's that's just honestly insane since he led the NBA in assist to turnover ratio last year. Only three players have an exceedingly high turnover rate thus far. Mason Plumley, Malik Beasley, and Michael Porter Jr. You kind of understand it with Michael Porter Jr. He is a rookie, and he's going to make mistakes. Uh, the turnover rate isn't like super high with him, but it's higher than, than most of the other players on the team. Malik Beasley, it's kind of that's 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 very weird. He hasn't been able to deal with as much spacing on the second unit, so he's been doing a lot more trying to create off the dribble. Um, that hasn't worked out very well, but he hasn't played that much, so hard to hold it against him. Mason Plumley actually has the highest turnover rate on the team. <clears throat> That's something that kind of translates from last year because Mason Plumley is such a, a high responsibility on his shoulders when he's out there kind of guiding the Nuggets second unit. It really isn't Monte Morris that's leading the second unit nowadays. It's Mason Plumley. They always get the ball to him. They always let him facilitate from the post. Uh, he catches the ball. He dishes it out to the opposite corner, dishes it out to the wing, always making the correct pass. Um, Sometimes you turn the ball over, and he's had a couple of egregious offensive fouls. He's had a couple of travelings and, and things like that. But you take the, the good with the bad, or you take the bad with the good, excuse me. Um, Denver's turnover rate, definitely not what's holding them back in terms of offensive rating, though. New problems have arisen offensively, and that's not great. 
We'll start with the three-point rate. We'll start with how many times the Nuggets are taking a three in terms of the rest of their offense. It's not good. Only 33% of Denver's field goal attempts so far come from the three-point line. That's the fourth worst rate in the NBA. Or I won't say worst because it's not like there's a worst or best in that situation. But generally speaking, the teams that take more threes are going to be the teams with the higher offensive rating. They're the teams that are creating those open shots that shooters are willing to take. The Houston Rockets, for example, are kings at this. They have one of the highest offensive ratings year in, year out, and it's not just because James Harden is really good. They designed the offense in such a way that most of the guys that are complementary players around them are either guys like Clint Capella, who are diving to the front of the rim, or guys like P.J. Tucker or Gerald Green or guys of that ilk who are always just standing in the corner or standing on the wing. And then when James Harden breaks his guy off the off the dribble, they are open for threes. The Nuggets have not been able to do that so far. Uh, Monte Morris has only attempted 13 threes in 12 games. That is really low. That is not enough for a perimeter player. You cannot have that in today's NBA, especially from a point guard who you want to be able to play next to guys like Jamal Murray, even replacing him in the starting unit at times when he needs a break. Uh, Monte Morris needs to get that three-point rate up. Um, a variety of other players have lower three-point attempt rates as well. Jamal Murray's one of them. Um, he broke out from that a little bit in the Memphis game. I hope he continues to jack those up because he's at his best when he is hunting three-point shots. That is my opinion. I think it's backed up by statistics. The number that I used for stat of the week uh, yesterday was that when Jamal Murray hits or when he shoots 10 threes or at least attempts 10 threes, he's averaging 34.9 points per game. Um, <clears throat> those aren't entirely synonymous because a lot of the times he gets shots inside and that helps him heat up from outside. But there's a certain willingness there to jack up the shot, to, to be aggressive with it, to hunt those shots and just be a killer when it comes to attacking opposing teams. And I, I think that that's something that Murray could continue to aspire to, especially if he wants to be a guy like Damian Lillard or Steph Curry or any of the other elite shoot, any of the other elite point guards that continue to jack up shots. That's just how they get their shots. Other guys, Will Barton, his three point shot, his three point attempt rate is lower. Malik Beasley, his three point attempt rate is lower. When it's basically all of the guards that kind of simp that that shows that there's a little bit of a systematic problem there. If the Nuggets aren't attempting threes from their guard positions, then something's wrong. And you, you have to start to to figure out why that is. And I think I know. I think it's because Nikola Jokic is not up to snuff in terms of getting his shots inside. Nikola Jokic's shots inside the restricted area are down. This is stat number four. Uh, they're down from 32% of his shots to 19% of his shots. That means basically he went from every one out of every three of his shots was right inside the restricted area, right under the rim, to now where he's at less than one of every five of his shots is right under the rim. That is where he's best. He is one of the most efficient shooters, uh, unassisted guys in, at getting into the rim, getting right under there. Um I think that that's a, a sign of lower aggression, of lower willingness to attack his guy off the dribble, to attack his guy man-to-man. Man man. His free throw rate is also down, uh, going from 29% to 20.9%. 
Uh, there's just lots of indicators there that the aggressiveness towards the paint and the willingness to bang is down. Like in, in the Brooklyn Nets game last week, for example, he was able to walk Jarrett Allen all the way back under the basket against the Nets during one of his post-ups. Uh, he turned right around, hit a jump jump hook right over him, and it, it was something that the Nets just could not stop. But he never went back to it. There was there was a an unwillingness to just assert his dominance there. He's one of the best players in the NBA, and at some point it's got to click that in order for this Nuggets offense to be the best that it can be, he has to be aggressive. And the aggressiveness doesn't manifest itself into jacking up three-point shots. That's something that he has done, and it hasn't gone well. As long as he continues to back his man under the rim, he's going to create open shots for, from three for all of the other guards. Murray, Barton, Beasley, Morris, Gary Harris, who's not shooting as, as great as he needs to. The more he gets into the paint, the more the opposing defense is going to collapse on him and, and need to give help to whoever is guarding him. Jared Allen cannot guard Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic let Jared Allen guard him. That's that's just kind of a fact at this point. So a couple of things there. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about some other stats. Got eight more stats coming up. I think that these are the most important things for Nuggets fans to know 12 games into the year. We will be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Uh, make sure to check out Denver Stiffs. Make sure to check out the site. We've got some a lot of great things going up. Zach Mikosh wrote a great article today about Carmelo Anthony. He and I debated on the Pickaxe podcast about certain areas of Melo's legacy. He's kind of on, on the pro side with him. I'm kind of on the con. But it's a great article. It's a great piece. Make sure to check it out. Uh, we've got a lot of great writers. We've got a lot of great talent over here. It's been a lot of fun working with all of them. Uh, Brandon Ewing has really stood out. Gage Bridgeford has really stood out in terms of the writing quality that they've brought to the site. Daniel Lewis coming back. Evan Fiala is always awesome on the on the Power Rankings article. Uh, and then Jenna Garcia has been great in terms of the social stuff. So keep going to Denver Stiffs. We have a lot of great stuff coming. A lot of stuff that's in the works. Uh, just keep keep it in tune with us. So. The next few stats that I want to run over are related to Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Denver's willingness and unwillingness to shoot certain shots. Sort of like the the three-point attempt rate, but we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Jamal Murray, his 39 points were a season high for Nuggets players so far this season when he faced Memphis on Sunday. He was wonderful. Honestly, it was one of the best performances I've ever seen from Murray 
just continuously hunting shots, continuously trying to kill the opposing team. And when you get that that killer instinct in your eye and you have a player like Jamal Murray who has the talent to drive the nail in the coffin, he was one of the players that basically ended the game before it started or ended the game by halftime when the Nuggets were up 72-49. to 49. The Nuggets haven't had a lot of other high performances from their other players. The next highest performance is 27 points by Murray as well. Uh, Nikola Jokic hasn't really been great uh, getting his own shot, uh, making those shots that, that he needs to make off of catch and shoots. Uh, there just haven't been as many explosive performances from him or from any Nugget. Uh, the addition of Will Barton, I think, has really impacted this just because the Nuggets have more guys that they can count on. Will Barton has been great. He's been a guy that has been able to share the load, and the Nuggets have been able to count on him for 15 points a night. 17 points a night for pretty much the entire season. That's been a godsend for a team that has not been able to score. Um, But it means that other players don't generally have to score as much. You would like to see guys like Jokic, guys like Murray, continue to take pride in being the best scorers on the team and just go at their matchups. Just, just dominate them. Because there are some matchups coming up that Nikola Jokic especially could really dominate. I'm, I'm looking at the Boston Celtics game on Friday where he will be either be facing Inez Cantor, Daniel Tice, or somebody much smaller than him. He can dominate those guys. He, he has dominated those guys in the past. If there is a willingness and a desire to go put up 30, Jokic can go put up 30. And then that'll open up the rest of his game. It'll open up the rest of the offense. So, I think it would be nice for Denver to continue to hunt those matchups, to continue to get individual guys going. Uh, the the Jokic dribble handoff offense that goes pick and roll, DHO, DHO, post up, kick out, and then dribble into a contested floater. It's fine, but there are still opportunities to get other guys going by designing certain sets for them, for them or just letting them go, letting them run their stuff, letting them continue to be individually aggressive. I, I would like to see Gary Harris get more to the rim. He could score 30 points very quickly if he if he wanted to. But right now, and this is number six on the in terms of the stats, Gary Harris is becoming the fifth option on offense in the starting five. Uh, he has the shot profile of a star, though, and 29% of his shots have come at the rim, 31% more than at the rim, 31% have come in mid-range. That is a problem. That is, especially if the Nuggets are trying to be an elite offense, that's going to have to change. 40% of his shots have come from three, which is pretty good. That's that's a That's a solid start, especially if you're a shooting guard. But even that could go higher, because if you are Daryl Morey, uh, the the Houston Rockets general manager. You look at the Denver Nuggets shot profile thus far, and the first thing you're probably changing is eliminating the Gary Harris floater because it doesn't get you all the way to the rim, and it's not a three-point shot, and it, it doesn't usually yield free throws either because it's, it's avoiding contact. So I would be a little bit concerned about Gary Harris's shot profile because I think that there are ways that Denver can help him create more looks for himself and others create more looks for him, either at the rim or at the three-point line. Elite offenses, 
really focus on having their role players get to three or get to free or get to the layup zone. That's that's just where they live. That's that's the Mori ball. Right now, even though Harris is shooting only 56% at the rim, it's his, it's one of the lowest marks he's ever had. It's still higher than the 30%, the 37% that he's shooting for mid-range. That margin really changes the offensive outlook. If the Nuggets just eliminate the mid-range shots, you, you don't want to eliminate them all because no matter what, uh, the Nikola Jokic offense, as I've detailed in past years, as I've or not past years, past months, it's always going to yield floaters. That's just that's what it's going to do because with Jokic, teams are going to continue to sag off of him. So the options for Denver's guards are either to kick it out to him for a three, which isn't always great as he's shot 24% from three thus far, or really to shoot a floater over the guy over two guys. That's a problem. That's that's not efficient offense. Those are not efficient looks. So I I'm still concerned about that. A a strong performance against the Memphis Grizzlies doesn't completely negate that. I wrote about it in the offseason. Great offenses create offense in different ways. Like it could be a James Harden step back. It could be, I don't know, Giannis Antetokounmpo in the middle of the lane where teams just can't stop him. For Nikola Jokic, his offense is completely different, and the Nuggets have to build a completely different offense around him than than most ple- than most people, than most players. He's so unique. He's such a different type of player. But the way that they can maximize an offense around him is to let him operate in the middle of the lane and kick out to guys for three. I have a, a distinct belief that a lot of this is on Jokic, that he has to get more aggressive and get to the middle of the floor. And that's a, that's kind of an issue because the, the Nuggets just can't control that. They have to continue to talk to him about it. They have to continue to show that the more that he gets to the middle of the floor, the more shots it creates for other people. If he continues to do that, I think Denver bounces back. But right now, with him standing at the top of the key and and not really moving that much, the Nuggets aren't going to get that many efficient shots. It's just a fact. Number seven, as a team, the Nuggets are currently hitting contested shots at the lowest rate in the NBA. Uh, These are the highly contested shots, the heavily contested shots, according to NBA.com. The Nuggets have a 33% effective field goal percentage. That is 30th, ahead of the Knicks at 34.3. Not great. Not not great. But it also shows that Denver could be getting a little bit unlucky with those looks. Because on similar shots last year, they were 18th in effective field goal percentage. And they didn't really change their personnel. So... It, show, it stands to show that either this is a new trend that the Nuggets have to figure out and they have to find a way to create less heavily contested looks, or this number is going to change and the Nuggets can probably expect a little bit of an increase here. Either way, I, I, I factor this in because I think it's, it's one of the reasons why Denver's offense has not been great to start the year. However, it, it's, it's still not wonderful. You don't want to be creating heavily contested looks. Sometimes, though, it it's it just is what it is, and you have to shoot those. I think a lot of these types of looks are Jokic post-ups and then cuts at the rim for Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, etc. Uh, could be some Monte Morris floaters as well, Jamal Murray floaters as well. 
Uh, I know Jokic will get better. I think that he is, he was in a funk, but Wancho Hernan Gomez is playing right now. Uh, Jokic seems to be having a lot more fun out there, giving a lot more effort. So as he continues to come out of it, uh, the better mood he's in, the generally the more frequently the shots go in. That's just kind of, kind of a factor with him. So hopefully that gets better. Uh, not necessarily sure about the the other types of shots, whether the floaters, the heavily contested floaters, or the back cuts to the rim, or Paul Millsap isolations and post-ups at the rim are, are going to get that much better. But we'll see. We, we will have to see about those other shots. And then number eight, <coughs> the Nuggets have generated the... I lost my place. Nuggets have generated the fewest contested threes in the NBA at two per game. So here's why. Here's why this matters. You don't necessarily want contested threes. That's not what you would prefer. You would prefer wide open threes. You would prefer open threes. The Nuggets are willing to shoot those open threes. Uh, they, they still try to shoot those at a high rate. They've actually gotten much better in terms of hitting their wide open shots. I think the last time I checked, they were 10th in three point percentage on wide open shots and about 11th in terms of generating them. So that's a really good start. That's, that's where the nuggets need to live. However, in terms of contested shots, the nuggets, I think have had a, a lack of, or a a low desire or a, a low willingness to jack those threes up when there's a guy kind of in the vicinity. Uh, you never want them to to shoot a shot if they feel like they're effective, but I think that they're foregoing these contested threes, and those threes generally end in contested twos. And so I think the math generally says that you would prefer to shoot a contested three over a contested two because the hit percentage is usually slightly lower on threes, but it yields a higher point per possession because a three is worth more than a two. So let's say you shoot 40% on contested twos and 30% on contested threes, 40% on the two would yield 0.8 points per possession. That's a really low number. Point th- uh, a, a contested three that yields 30% is 0.9 points per possession because 0.3 times three is 0.9. Uh, 0.9 is not great, but it's certainly better than 0.8. Uh, the Nuggets, if they, if they are willing to shoot those shots, if they are willing to uh, extend the defense a little bit more, I really think that's going to help them in terms of opening up shots at the lane because defenses are going to have to close out harder on them. If, they, if defenses feel like the Nuggets are going to shoot, then they're going to get off their feet and try to contest those shots in the air. That's going to lead to blow-bys. That's going to lead to other like to drives to the rim or to kickouts to other wide open threes. I really do think that there is something to it that the Houston Rockets are one of the the best teams in terms of this where they shoot 7.6 contested threes per game and they're one of the the top offenses. The Boston Celtics shoot 6.7 contested threes per game and they are also one of the top offenses. Teams that are willing to shoot it are going to get a better look because opposing teams are going to get off their feet. They're going to leave their feet in order to contest those shots. That's a really big deal. That That's where the, the party starts. Even if those shots don't get in, it usually leads to better offense somewhere else, especially in those future possessions. All right. We're going to get back to it on the next segment. We are eight stats through. 
Four stats left to go. Stick tuned to Denver Stiffs here. We will be right back. Nuggets numbers, just a solo podcast here today. Uh, eight stats down. We've gone through a variety of open shooting stats, a variety of player-related stats. Here, now we're going to get into some bigger picture stuff. Let's start with the Nuggets starting unit. It's an elite unit, despite some individual struggles from guys like Gary Harris. Nikola Jokic isn't shooting the best. Uh, other guys could be more efficient, but they're not. Uh, Paul Millsap has really boosted this unit, but the, here, there's the big number. This five-man unit is the most played unit in the NBA at 204 minutes per game in the 10 games that they've played. Um, Barton missed the other two due to injury, and so that number, this number right now would be higher if he had been playing in those games. That's a really big deal. Uh, the Nuggets really rely heavily on their starting unit, probably the most the most reliant on their starters of any team in the NBA. Uh, that's that's both good and bad. You would you would hope that the Nuggets continue to learn that their bench is not going to be the best uh, through this through this method. A lot of other teams are willing to stagger their starters and and try to help prop up those bench units a little bit more. We'll talk about it in the next number, but the bench hasn't been great either. So that that could be a a major talking point going forward but right now Denver is plus 59 in with their starting unit that is the best or the second best single plus minus of any starting unit or any any five man unit in general uh behind Houston starting unit and they will come to town tomorrow so we're going to see how that goes but Denver's doing it on both ends They've got a 110 offensive rating with this unit, a 98 defensive rating. Both of those are pretty good. Could be better on both, but I don't think Denver's going to get better defensively with this unit. They could get better offensively if they hit their open shots. They're only shooting 33% with this lineup from three. So if that number jumps up to 37% or 39%, they have the talented shooters to do it. We'll see if that actually gets done. Number 10. Denver's bench remains entirely negative. If you look at basketball reference and scroll down to the play-by-play page, it's a very clear graphic of where the green starts or where the green ends and the red starts. All of the starters are in green. All of the bench players are in red. It is a very clear indicator. Only six players in the rotation have a positive plus-minus thus far. The five starters and Juancho Hernan Gomez, who I think is definitely playing now and definitely should be playing now. Jeremy Grant, Malik Beasley, Torrey Craig, they all have the lowest plus-minus marks on the team. Torrey Craig's is more due to his poor fit with the starting unit, I think. Uh, The Nuggets don't create good shots with him on the floor, and they don't defend as well as they need to when he's on the floor either. So that's that's an indicator that... The play when the playoffs roll around and Will Barton is is a little bit outmatched size wise, the Nuggets can't just go back to Torrey Craig because they're not going to be able to create good enough offensive shots. So keep that in mind going forward. Grant's number is significant because he's the highest playing bench guy. 
So when it comes when he comes in, he's been good with Denver's starters. That five man unit with the starters plus Jeremy Grant is actually positive as well. But that means that his his bench numbers have actually been even worse because he's been playing with them and with the starters that have been giving him a plus. So that's uh, that's a not a great sign. Malik Beasley hasn't been playing great either. He's currently out of the rotation from the looks of it because Juancho Hernan Gomez and Michael Porter Jr. are currently playing the two and the three respectively. Or we'll, we'll flip that. Michael Porter Jr. playing the two, Juancho playing the three. Um, those That's going to be interesting. That's going to be an interesting thing, especially in this Houston game going forward because James Harden is coming to town. And I don't think the Nuggets want Michael Porter Jr. to be defending James Harden. That's going to be a, a really tough matchup. Number 11, the Nuggets have only missed 12 games due to injury, according to Man Games Lost. That is the fifth lowest number in the NBA. The Nuggets are getting lucky right now. They are, they're pretty lucky across the board with the stat that I'm, I'm going to talk about next with this one. Um, last year, the Nuggets were really impacted by injury. Uh, they had time missed with Gary Harris, Will Barton, and Paul Millsap all at the same time. And that really forced Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic to be even better. Uh, that helped them. Um, but right now, this this starting unit is intact. This bench unit is intact. Uh, Malik Beasley's missed a couple of games due to sickness. Will Barton had, had something happen in New Orleans that caused him to miss a couple of games. But other than that, the Nuggets have been healthy. The reason why this number's at 12 and not lower is because I think some of those games were attributed to Bull Bull, but Bull Bull's not going to play. So Nuggets have really been lucky. They've been one of the, the luckiest teams in terms of their health. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, not, not excitedly, but looking forward to seeing how they respond when adversity does hit, because it, it will. It will at some point. Some At some point, the Gary Harris is going to go down, or Jamal Murray is going to go down, or or whatever, knock on wood. But we'll see what happens. Last number. Denver's strength of schedule right now. It's been notable that the Nuggets have had the top five easiest strength of schedule to start the year. They are 9-3. and three. Nobody can take that number away from them, but they have not played well, and they have been lucky that they faced some bad teams. Uh, they haven't faced any of the really good teams yet. The Clippers, the Lakers, the Bucks the Houston Rockets, the Jazz, the Celtics, etc. They did face the Sixers, but the Sixers were without Ben Simmons. And the Sixers aren't as good as we thought they were because they're not they're not winning a lot of games right now. So we're going to see what happens with them. And the Nuggets faced a Blazers team on opening on opening night that is not so secretly not very good right now. So Denver should be dominating. They should be nine and three. Hell, they probably should be ten and two at this point. You, you, you give them the benefit of the doubt on some of the losses that they've taken, but not all of them. Probably should have won the Dallas Mavericks game. Uh, lost that because they kind of they kind of screwed up the lead at the end. And then they lost a game against the Atlanta Hawks that they probably should have won. So give them back one of those games, and they probably should be 10-2 and two at this point. That's a big deal. You can't really... You got to really factor that in when evaluating this team. Like, they should be this good. They should be doing this. This is par for the course. They have not exceeded expectations yet. They have not been tested yet. 
They're about to be because Houston's coming to town and then the Boston Celtics are coming to town and then Phoenix is coming to town again. And the Nuggets struggled with Phoenix the first time around. So I am looking forward to seeing how the Nuggets handle this game, how they how they seem to handle all of these things that are about to come their way. It's going to be interesting. I am looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing how these numbers evolve, because if they don't, then I think the Nuggets could probably lose more games than I thought they would. They're going to get unlucky at certain points. Right now, they've been pretty lucky. We're going to see how it goes. That's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn. Make sure to tune into Denver Stiffs. Make sure to check out all of the podcasts that come out on this channel, the Denver Stiffs podcast channel. Um... Got some great things in the works. We'll tease that continuously going forward. Got a lot of stuff, maybe some some material things that will be coming out. So we will see what happens. But again, I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn. Thanks for tuning in, and I will talk to you guys soon. Mm-hmm.